0: Uh, you can also turn to uh, Luke chapter 13 and as you know this week uh, some of us were able to go down to Canberra and partake there um, with some prayer meetings at Parliament and we had a a Canberra connection time, a couple uh, couple of our men and their families were able to come I think uh, Brother Roger shared a bit of a testimony on Wednesday night, if you were here, and gave, I gave a bit of an update uh, via video in regard to that, and uh, just a lot of that has been weighing heavy on my heart as far as, you know, our nation and, and the need of the day. Um, really, the theme verses for, for prayer at Parliament has been First Timothy chapter 2 and I'll just read those a uh, couple of verses for you in verse 1 I exhort therefore that first of all supplications prayers intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men all right so he's saying it it's good for us to give uh, to pray and and pray for all men but he says for kings and for all that in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty and and you know we live in a day where we have liberty to do that and although we hear on the news different things happening around our country. Uh, by and large, we, we do lead a quiet and peaceable life here in Australia. And I'm thankful for that, aren't you? I'm thankful for that. And really the purpose of our time there in gathering uh, wasn't to lobby the uh, the government, lobby the, the politicians that were there. We're simply there to pray. And uh, I think that as part of that, really, what we're praying for is mercy. And, and really, that's what I want to speak to you about tonight. I'm going to speak about God's mercy. And, you know, as a nation, we, we are a nation in need of mercy. And um, I'm going to, I just wanted to show a bit of a, before we get into the message tonight, I just wanted to show a bit of a video. Is that, is that ready, guys at the back? Just a couple of photos from the week. And then also, you're going to hear from one of the, one of the members of the Senate, that came and and really was has been instrumental over the last year in, in helping us just get into the uh, into the uh, into the the parliament there to pray. His name is Senator O'Bets. He's a Tasmanian senator, uh, but he's has he's a, got a Christian background and and really is a, a voice for um, for keeping the, the marriage definition between man and woman. And he spoke to us during the first day of parliamentary prayer, and um, so he, a bit of this video will be him speaking as well. and And it's just good for us to hear that. Then I'll elaborate a little bit more before we get into the message. Just, just really was a blessing to to just hear him speak about just the need for, uh, and the reality that Australia can only move forward with God's divine blessing. And um, and you know the 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 again the part of the the desire of a prayer at Parliament uh, wasn't just to simply rub shoulders with these guys. It was just to let them know that we were around and that we're praying. And, um, and church, you know, um, all of us, probably the majority of us here, as I look around, we're all implants. <laughs> um, not, not a great deal of us here were, were born here. There's some, uh, the next generation perhaps. Uh, but, you know, um, as I was just sitting there, just uh, praying with these men, um, recognizing that God placed me here, and that there ought to be a great love in our hearts for this great nation of ours, Australia. And um, and it was just, a, it was encouraging, you know, we were sitting there uh, in the Senate committee room that uh, that Senator Betts had had sponsored us to be able to use. And a couple of other, um, other men came in. There was, uh, there was Andrew Broad, who's a member of parliament in Victoria. And he came in and just uh, spoke, to, spoke to us briefly, wanted to say hello. But he was moved in a, in a great way. For those of you who, who were there, you, you would recognize this. He was moved in a great way as he walked in and he heard uh, 20, 20 to 30 voices praying. He was moved to nearly tears as he as he uh, went in there, and um, when Brother Bayer asked him what would you like us to pray for, his response was humility and wisdom. And uh, this was a man who is not prominent in his in his um, uh, as a as a politician, but has a prominent seat in parliament. and um, And then he, before he left, he just was felt felt driven to say that that you know don't underestimate. And, and don't undervalue the role of church plays in Australian society, and he just he said that and he vocalised that to encourage us, uh, because he was encouraged with those who were who had come to pray and the the churches represented there, and then we also had another fellow senator, um, senator David Fawcett, who's in South Australia, he's assistant whip of the government, uh, which is a prominent role in the government. Uh, but he goes to a Baptist church in South Australia, and he was just he just wanted to pop by and say hello as well and he was encouraged and I was able to pray for him during that time. but um, overall, as we spent the time there, what we were doing was we were interceding for our nation. and as you heard on the video there, as uh, Senator Betts was speaking about, you know the the time and the hour of our uh, that we're facing with this um, with this vote on, um, on the red, redefinition of marriage. And you understand that because of that, really we live in very perilous times. You understand that, that biblically as we look at that, that particular sin that God holds as a, at as an a, abomination and always, always, always what follows that is great judgment. It's a, and, and really what we, when we come in there, and when we pray, you know, we have times of prayer as a church. What we're really asking for is God's mercy, and we need the mercy of God. You know, this uh, this evening, uh, we're not under any illusion to think that we are a righteous nation. Uh, whilst we have the the church and Christianity still in the nation, uh, I don't think we would be falling. I don't think we would fool ourselves into thinking that we, are, we live in a righteous time, in a righteous nation. Um, we understand that, that there's great wickedness in the land and, and then uh, adding onto that what's going to be uh, seeming to be a, a tidal wave of this thing. And, and we need to recognize that whilst we live in, in the midst of this wicked nation, that really God has very much placed His mercy upon us as His people. You understand that mercy is is God not giving us what we do deserve. And we deserve condemnation and judgment. But God in His mercy, and you know, the Bible is clear when describing for us what we deserve. You know, we as sinners deserve condemnation from God and yet His mercy allows us to to continue to live but also, and very importantly, to have salvation. And you know, the, the overarching desire that we had as we were, were praying at the parliament as well was to be able to be a gospel witness. And what was a blessing was to be able to hand out a couple of um, done books, a couple of gospel books to, to different people there, uh, some staff members that we had come across with, but then also some, um, some politicians that we had come across with. But really, we understand that the answer to our nation's plight is the mercy of God, right? It's the gospel, it's not better economic policies, church. It's not better government. That's never going to happen. It's, it's, it's us considering the fact that it's time that the gospel must continue on and must continue to be our heartbeat. And in Titus 3.5, it reminds us, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy, He saved us. Hey, church, tonight you're not saved because you're a good person. We're saved because God is a merciful God. And we're saved because, and we have the gospel because He's been merciful unto us. According to His mercy, He saved us. And uh, we understand that when God looks at sinful man, God says in Psalm 7 verse 11 that God is angry with the wicked every day. You know, there's that nice saying that we, we sometimes say, God, we ought, uh, God, uh, God hates the sin but loves the sinner. But you know, God is, is angry with the wicked Every day. And we in, in, in our wickedness, God, God is not pleased with that. And we're, we're, we're heading towards a time that's going to be perilous times if we don't ask for mercy. Um, you know, even as Christians, we, we got to note that God's mercy is the reason we can continue day to day. In Lamentations 3, 21 to 23, This I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope it is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed. Because His compassions fail not, they are new every morning. Great is Thy faithfulness. And tomorrow morning, if, if we awake, it's not, not because we deserve it. It's because God is merciful to us. God is showing His mercy again. And all of us can certainly say we are better than we deserve. God's mercy has saved us from the condemnation to come. And yet, I believe that at times we're a bit trifling with God's mercy. And we understand the Bible does say that God's mercy endures forever. That really speaks of His unchanging character. But you know, you need to understand tonight. We need to understand, but He can He can also choose to withhold His mercy. And certainly, as we sort of look at where our nation is, we, where we are in in God's timeline, uh, there there could be a withholding of His mercy. And I always think about this passage of scripture. Uh, when I think about that, in Luke chapter 13, if you turn there really quickly, and you notice verse 6 with me, we'll just read verses 6 um, right through to verse 9. It says, He spake also this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And, and don't you think that's a, a pretty obvious assumption of a tree that it'll bear fruit? Then said he unto the dresser of his vineyard, Behold, these three years I come seeking fruit on this fig tree and find none. Cut it down. Why cumbereth it the ground? Why is it taking up space? And notice this, and he answering. So this is now the vine dresser, the the one who is a servant. He said, answering said unto him, Lord, let it alone this year also till I shall dig about it and dung it. And if it bear fruit, well. And if not, then after that, thou shalt cut it down. And I, I just want to speak about an, a nation in need of mercy. And, and really, I think this, this parable that the Lord Jesus speaks about, speaks about an attitude that we have to have about our nation. We need to desire mercy for our nation. And this vine dresser, this one who was a servant, when given the opportunity to really just, just have this fig tree cut down, he said, no, give it another year, give it some more mercy, and let's see what will happen. And you know, we, we don't want to take the position tonight that whilst we look at the, 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 um, the situation that, that our nation is in, the world is in, we don't want to have the attitude tonight that we're just going to throw in the towel and just, just, uh, just bring on the judgment of God. We need to have an, an attitude just like the dresser of the vineyard. That we're going to ask for more time. That we're going to just ask God to just give us more opportunity. And there's a parable, this parable here of the dresser of a vineyard. And we're going to learn some lessons about God's mercy as we observe this parable. And let's just pray. We'll ask the Lord to to bless and help us tonight. Father, I pray that you'd help us indeed, Lord, as we consider. And, And Lord, I hope that we're just awake to it tonight. Father, I pray that our eyes aren't so far off. Uh, our neighborhood and our nation where we live in, that we don't recognize that there is the tidal wave of your judgment to come. And yet, Lord, we understand that, that as we live, Lord, as we still have life, you're still able to give us mercy. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to understand, Lord, just some lessons here from, from your word. Then help us, Lord, as a result of that, just have a, a greater motive to To ask and 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 entreat for our nation, Lord, the the thing that we need most, and that's your mercy. And so I pray that you'd help us now as we as we examine your word in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. And I want you to notice firstly some some call, uh, three calls here as we consider the parable. And, And I want you to note firstly the call to the nation. I believe as as the Lord Jesus was really speaking here in a synagogue, he was speaking here to, uh, to uh, an audience of, of Jews that particularly he was speaking to the Israelites here. But I think we can apply it also to, uh, to the nation. And, and the parable really, it's a vivid picture of, of the owner of the vineyard, which is God. We see the vine dresser which is really, uh, we can say is the Lord Jesus or us as, his, as, as representatives of Him now on earth. And then the fig tree as the nation, which in this case was Israel, in our case, is here in Australia. And oftentimes, God would use the the picture of a tree, different types of trees to represent different kinds of nations. I think we see that patterned in the Old Testament and patterned for us through the Bible. And so we see here, firstly, the call to a nation, the call to a nation. And this is a type of a nation really as favored by God. This was a nation in a vineyard that's... And you understand a vineyard was a place that was well tended. It was a place where, where really all of the things that, that, that would be advantageous to bear fruit for a plant, for a tree, was tended to so that that tree could blossom to its full potential. And, and you know, certainly, as we consider the fact that, that directly it was applying here to Israel, we understand that Israel was chosen of God, well favored of God. Uh, but understand also that as we consider the nation that we live in, this great land of Australia, that, that God, just in His sovereignty and in His, His, uh, in His goodness, has allowed bountifulness and, and has allowed some great freedoms that, that can really uh, be advantageous for us as a nation. You know, you look at all the world around us, we, we, we live in a, in a great, wide land that's, that's abundant in natural resources. Uh, We had uh, had a a, a nation, an empire who came, who colonized this, who had a Christian influence. Can you imagine if if the, the Muslims got here before the British did? History would be very different. You understand that that was God's sovereign hand that the British came here first. You understand that that was God's plan, and in fact, back in those days, there were men who were praying for this this great south land of the Holy Spirit, which was really the full name of this land, Um, that that men like John Newton, who wrote the the hymn uh, Amazing Grace, Uh, men like William Wilberforce, who were Christians, God-fearing men in politics, desired that the gospel would come on board the first fleet when it arrived right here in Sydney Cove and so all of that was really God's favor and blessing upon this land that somewhat even in the even though it had convict beginnings that the gospel and christianity would also be on board that ship that's God's favor that that's that was no one else's choice God allowed that and so you understand that there's a call to a nation here in this in this parable there's a, a fig tree planted in his vineyard. And, and notice this, though, that he came and sought fruit thereon and found none. And you understand that, that for the nation of Israel, as God has given it all of these advantages, that God's desire for that nation was it bear fruit for him. It bear fruit of righteousness. It'd it be a bearer of his, uh, of, uh, of his word to, to be a witness to uh, all, all, of it, all of the world around it. And you understand that when God gives us advantage, when God gives us favor, when God gives us the 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 blessing of uh, of uh, that can only come in upon us through His hand, that God expects a good return, right? You understand, God doesn't just bless you and give you so you can selfishly use it, right? None of us here, we're not. None of us here. That's not. None of us is. That that's never God's desire in our lives that He enriches us and He blesses us so we can use it just for ourselves, right? And so similarly here for, for the nation of Israel, He was looking for fruit. He was looking for something to be produced and and understand also that, that for Australia, God entrusting us with the gospel, entrusting us with favor and blessing, there's also a, just a desire for fruit. What do we have to show for the freedoms that God has so... Richly blessed us with. What's the fruit? What's the result of that? And really what this was, this parable, this was a call to a nation that had lost its way. That had simply not borne the fruit that God had expected of them. As a nation, they had turned its back on God. And I just want to say, that whilst we can look at history and whilst we can, uh, if we examine it carefully, understand that there was remnants of the Christian faith very early on in our history, that somewhat in very, very obvious ways, Australia has turned its back on God. You see places all around our, our nation without churches with, that have fallen into great sin and great disrepair. But simply... As we consider the parable, the owner of the vineyard had grown weary of the fig tree, not turning out fruit like it should. And again, isn't that a reasonable premise tonight? Isn't it reasonable that when you plant a tree, you want fruit out of it? Uh, I remember growing up, we had quite a big backyard, and it was my job to mow it. I enjoyed it. No, I'm lying. I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) But in that... We had, we had one tree that was fruitful in that backyard. It was a lemon tree, if you remember that. But, you know, year upon year, we would look at that lemon tree, and it produced nothing. <laughs> and, and we didn't know how to really take care of it. We didn't really, uh, you know, the Internet hadn't been really invented yet, so we couldn't Google it. But we came every year thinking, this is a lemon tree. Now give us lemons. <laughs> and nothing. Right? Nothing until eventually we said, well, it's just taking up space, cut it down. Now, that's a pretty, pretty reasonable premise, right? You plant a tree, you're meant to get fruit. And so the, the owner is looking at this tree. It had taken up space in his vineyard, which he had prepared. He had, he had placed it in an in a advantageous, in a favored situation. And yet there was no fruit. It was lacking. And so it's a really a call to the nation that had turned its back on God to get its to act together. And you know, when, 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 when God allows, uh, God allows uh, trials and trouble to come to, uh, to a nation, it's really to, to, to shake it and to shock it into a realization that they need God. And um, the call to the nation was that they would see fruitfulness unto the Lord. And so we see firstly the call to a nation. Then secondly, we see somewhat here the call to a sinner. And the parable is also a picture really of God's call to the sinner that He won't always withhold His judgment. You know, see, the, 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 the reason at times in our ta- in this day, sin is prevalent and and, and people are... Are are sort of uh, just just willing to uh, willing to just live in sin is somewhat they've fooled themselves into thinking that God's judgment is no longer no longer a- possible that that somewhat they're not going to be judged for, for the sinfulness and the wicked lifestyle that they live but you understand that that when the uh, when the, the owner of the vineyard comes seeking for fruit, and he sees none. Notice his response here in verse 7. He says, cut it down. My mercy has reached an ending point. Cut it down. And so really, this is also a call to the sinner. There will come a time when he will cut down the unfruitful fig tree. Your, your, Your stay of execution won't always be a stay of execution. There will be a time of judgment. There will be a time where you will be recompensed for the work of your hands. In Psalm 103, verses 8-10, to we understand the Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger and plenteous in mercy. And I say amen to that because I am a sinner saved by grace. I say amen to that because God gave me some time so that I could repent and get saved and believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so should you. But understand that as we we observe modern-day Australia and and the modern-day world that we live in, that God's judgment will eventually come. And we note here, He will not always chide. Uh, He's not just going to rebuke. He says, neither will He keep His anger forever there will be a time where He will cut down the fig tree. There will be a time where sinners who are lost in their sin will be judged for their sin. In 2 Corinthians 6, verse, verse 2, we, we use this verse to, in our witness to others. He saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succoured thee. Behold, now, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And you know why we say that? We say that because there's no guarantee of tomorrow. You see, death is always, is always one breath and one heartbeat away for anyone. And you understand that the Bible tells us that there is an appointed time. And it's a, 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 a time, that an appointment that you won't miss. When it's your time, it's your time to go. The Bible tells us that we ought not to boast ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth. And so really this, as we, as we consider this parable, is also a call to the sinner to repent. Because whilst, he, whilst he's been withholding his anger, whilst he's been, been withholding his judgment, there will be a time where he says enough is enough, cut it down. It times up. My judgment is about to be served. But then also thirdly, we're going to see that there's also a call to the Christian. And the call to the Christian is this. God is able to be entreated. Whilst we observe that that God is a God that is just in His judgment, we also understand that God is a merciful God and God can be entreated. And really the, the, the dresser of the vineyard here, the servant, Really, he, as he listens in to the owner of the vineyard, he understands that really he has an opportunity here to entreat his boss, to entreat the owner and say, give me another chance to, to do what I can do for this tree. Right? You understand that, that as the vine dresser, he, he wasn't simply hanging about there. He wasn't just a, he wasn't just a, a character on the side. This whole thing was his responsibility in the first place. The, the, the fig tree was under his watch care as a as a as someone who was underneath and working for the owner of the of the vineyard, the owner of the fig tree. It was his responsibility to make sure that, that this fig tree was going to bear fruit. And so he asks. He asks, and the call to the Christian, really, we see it, we can see it in two ways. We can see it in the fig tree and the vine dresser. We understand that the fig tree is meant to bear fruit and we we know that we're called as Christians, we're called to bear much fruit, right? Part of our living, part of God's uh, God's expectation of us is that as He's placed us in a conducive, uh, all of the things that are conducive for growth, conducive for bearing fruit, that we see much fruit in our lives. And so we see it in the fig tree in that sense. Uh, And only a little time we have here on this earth to see fruit for God. We better get busy bearing much fruit. We better just make sure that we're acting the way we're supposed to as a tree unto God to bear fruit. But then we also see it in the servant, the vine dresser. Again, upon hearing the owner of the vineyard speak of cutting down the fig tree, the servant's response was this, Please give me more time. Please give me more time to see fruit. Please give me more time. Let me do all I can. Give me mercy. Give me time. And the servant's response was, wait. He said, give me another year. Give me mercy so I can just do what I can with this fig tree. And the, the, the vine dresser, who's a, again a picture of Christ, but then by extension, a picture of the Christian had an attitude of give me another chance. He was pleading mercy for him and mercy for the tree. And ultimately, it was a vine dresser who had the responsibility for the tree to bear fruit. He had to dress it. He had to make sure that, that he was doing all he can to be able to, to, uh, to, to prepare the ground around it so that it would bear fruit. And so really, it's a call to the Christian to say work, to say you have some time, you can be, that you can entreat God, that you can entreat Him for more mercy. I hope that, that we would see ourselves that way. You know, it's so easy for us as Christians to just let go of our responsibility. You know, it's easy for us to ignore and just go with the, the, the tide of today. You know, you, you teenagers here, you can be very, very guilty of just going with the flow when you're seeing judgment coming. When you're meant to be concerned that the place that you live in, the place that God has placed you in, is going to be under a very real threat of judgment. And some of you are guilty of ignoring the call to the Christian to do something about it, to get going, to get working to get laboring, to get praying, to get entreating your heavenly Father for some more time to do something about the situation we find ourselves in. And so we see those three calls, the call to a nation, the call to a sinner, and then the call to the Christian. And I want to give you some key takeaways as we think about those things, and then we'll be done. Firstly, I want you to note that as a nation, we have turned our back on God and we need mercy. And listen, often God gave Israel time to repent. You understand in the Old Testament, the judgment didn't always just come. He sent prophets. Sometimes He sent some, some trouble. Sometimes he, 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 he sent some other people to come and warn the nation of judgment. And the reason God had to send judgment really was because of the sinful state that He found His nation. In Proverbs 14.34, we know this verse, Righteousness exalteth a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And I'm saying this because it's not just applicable to Israel, but to other nations. Understand this this evening that, that we live here in Australia, and this applies to us. Righteousness exalteth a nation, But sin is a reproach to any people. And we're in a a time of reproach because of the the condition we find our nation. I think about Jonah, who who was told here in Jonah 1:2, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it. He was sent to preach to the city. Why? For their wickedness is come up before me. Jonah was sent there to warn. to, to, To warn them of impending judgment upon this, this, this city-state. We know in Genesis fifteen sixteen. But in the fourth generation they shall come hither again, for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. And, and sometimes God's waiting until the right time for it to be cut down. God's a patient God, aren't you glad? He's just very patient. He's, he's slow to anger. He's full of mercy. And He's waiting, even the Amorites who were great enemies of His people, He was waiting until their wickedness was full. And don't take it for granted that we have a long time to go. The, the, the owner of the vineyard, and, and by the way, God, He's above all. And really, He's the sovereign over the whole world. He can walk around and at any moment He can cease a nation from existing. He can bring judgment at any point. But, but in His timing and in His mercy and as He looks at that, perhaps He's giving us more time. And, but as a nation... Really, we've turned our back on God and we need mercy. When God sent judgment via other nations to Israel or to other nations, it was in response to their wickedness. And the reality is Australia is a country that's very much forgotten God. And And I'm not trying to paint a too negative of a picture. I I believe God can still save people today. I believe that as we observe different different ministries around our, our great nation, I hear of people getting saved here. Uh, I hear of churches uh, getting strengthened over there. And that encourages me. We were among some brethren this week. and, and, And be it Queenslanders, we'll forgive that. But be it Queenslanders, we were listening to them. And they had great ambition for their area to preach the gospel. And that was a great blessing to me. They had some ambition, some drive, some understanding that the time was urgent. But their understanding was this. Our nation has forgotten God, and we better remind her of our great God. We need mercy. And so we understand that Australia is in need of mercy. But there's good news in that. Good news is this. Often God allowed His mercy to be placed upon wicked nations. And and an example again is Nineveh. Look at Jonah. Turn to the book of Jonah. We'll turn to a couple of scriptures this evening. I hope you're the type of person that, that loves Australia. I hope that you're just not here um, living the good life and mooching off this great country. I hope you're not here for that. I hope you're here to make a difference. I hope that you're here because you're, you're in the will of God for your life and you understand that because you're in the will of God that you'll do something about being here. Uh, Jonah chapter 3, and I, I like the, the, the chapter here in verse... Uh, uh, chapter 3, verse 1, the word of the Lord came unto Jonah the second time, saying, You understand, God, Jonah ran away from God. God uh, sent a, a great a whale to, to swallow up Jonah, spit him up at the beach in Nineveh, go and preach. Arise, go unto Nineveh, the great city, and preach unto it the preaching that I bid thee. So Jonah arose and went unto Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceeding great city of three days' journey. And Jonah began to enter into the city a day day's journey, and he cried and said, yet 40 days, and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So he's preaching this message of judgment, and, and lo and behold, the people of Nineveh listen, they repent, they get right with God, and here's what happens in verse 10, and God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God repented of the evil that he had said that he would do unto them, and he did it not. That's an amazing verse to me. As Jonah was preaching, as Jonah was crying out to the city, as he was preaching judgment, the people listened. And because they, they, they repented, God repented too. And God changed his mind about what he was about to do to that nation, to that city. And he repented of the evil that he was going to do to that nation. The judgment to come. He stopped it. And it's interesting to me that, that as a result of that, Jonah chapter 4 now and verse 1, but it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was very angry. You think, you know, you think that, that as a preacher, having a whole city converted, that would please you. But it displeased Jonah, and he prayed unto the Lord. And notice his prayer. I pray thee, O Lord, what, was not this my saying when I was yet in my country? Therefore I fled before unto Tarshish, for I knew, this is true of God, Thou art a gracious God, and merciful, slow to anger, and of great kindness, and repentest thee of the evil. And what Jonah was mad about was this, God, you're too merciful. <laughs> and yet, that's exactly, that's exactly the reason why we ought to entreat God for our nation. Because we do have a merciful God. Because we do have one who who will see the the, the fruits of of repentance, who will see the, 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 the fruits of those who would implore Him, and He can give mercy unto those who ask. And so we stand in the place of mercy as a nation. We have this time to be under God's mercy, but there will be a time when His mercy will be replaced by judgment. And the second takeaway is this. The message we ought to preach to sinners is, God is offering you mercy now. Receive it before it's too late. And you know the, the preaching judgment is not popular today. Uh, preaching the fact that 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 uh, that there's judgment to come, and you understand that the gospel, uh, the gospel is is, uh, is is good news, isn't it? But well, we have to put it in context and, and help, help people understand that in their sin, they're, they're in danger. They're under judgment. And, and the, the message that we need, to, we need to have is this. God is offering you mercy now. Receive it before it's too late. There's judgment to come. And what I'm saying is, is we do have a message to share today that's very important. Uh, part of the part of the emphasis during the week that we spent together in Canberra was a recognition that politics or anything else won't change a nation. Only the gospel can change a nation. only the gospel can change a person. only the gospel will make a difference in someone's life and whilst we can uh, we can rally behind uh, the the need to uh, to to uh, to communicate a resounding No, to the question asked of us about the redefinition of marriage. The thing that's going to change people is not the result of that vote. The thing that's going to change people is if the gospel will be preached. And we can't be, church, listen, we can't be silent right now. We can't just walk around and feel good about being at school feel good about being at your workplace and feel good that we have an abundant country without recognizing that we need to preach the gospel. That we can't just be silent. And I think about Esther. Turn to Esther chapter 4 and you understand the situation there in, in the book of Esther. Her people were in danger and she had an opportunity to do something about it. And notice, Notice the the, the challenge given her by her uncle Mordecai in verse 13. And, and uh, you're probably familiar with this story. We won't get into it tonight. But in, in verse 13, then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther. Esther came back and she was a bit hesitant uh, to use her, her position as queen. And she wasn't quite sure and she was a bit fearful about what she was a bit, uh, about to do. Then Mordecai commanded to answer Esther, Think not with thyself that thou shalt escape in the king's house more than all the Jews. Understanding that she was a, a Jewess in the in the palace there and, and, and this, this legislation was going to affect her greatly. And notice verse 14. For if thou altogether holdest thy peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. But thou and thy father's house shall be destroyed. And who knoweth whether thou art come to this kingdom, and we know these phrases, for such a time as this. And, and I believe that we're here for such a time as this. But listen, the first exhortation given to Esther by Mordecai was this, don't hold your peace. Don't hold it in. If you altogether hold your peace, there's going to be destruction. There's going to be judgment come to your household. And listen, this time as we consider the the unpopularity of the message of the gospel, we ought not to be shrinking violets in this day. We ought to be ones who will trumpet at the rooftops the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's only the gospel that changes life. We We can't hold our peace. Now's not the time to be silent. Now's not the time to just shirk the responsibility of the gospel. Now's not the time to just hide in the shadows and hope it all goes away. Now's not the time to be hesitant about that. I think about another maiden in 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at 2 Kings chapter 5. And here, uh, here there's a a, a captain of the host of Syria, Naaman. And in his household, there was a, a, a young maiden who was, uh, who was an, an Israelite. And notice the story here in 2 Kings chapter 5. Look at verse 1. Now Naaman, captain of the host of the king of Syria, was a great man with his master and honorable because by him the Lord had given deliverance unto Syria. He was also a mighty man in valor, but there was a problem. He was a leper. So this mighty general, this mighty man of war, A man of valor, he was a leper, and the Syrians had gone out by companies and had brought away captive out of the land of Israel, a little maid. And she waited on Naaman's wife. So she was a servant girl waiting on Naaman's wife. And she hears about the situation. And notice here, And she said unto her mistress, Would God, my Lord, were with the prophet that is in Samaria, for he would recover him of his leprosy. And again, this young lady this little maid, she could have kept it in. Upon hearing of the situation, upon hearing of the problem, she could have said nothing. But she chose to direct and she chose to speak up at an opportune time. And listen, um, you know, we all have different personalities. Maybe some of you here, you're very verbose. And you wouldn't have any qualms uh, to, to speak to anyone about the gospel. Some of us here, you're shy. And you're quite introverted. And, but I'm saying whatever situation we find ourselves in, whatever opportunity we have today, it's not the time to keep it in. It's not time to be silent. We can't, we, can't, we can't forget about our responsibility to send out the message of the gospel in our day. You know, if we don't speak up, those that can be rescued, those that can be healed, won't be. If we hold our tongue today and not warn sinners of the consequences for them, the result would be a dire, uh, just a destruction and judgment. Romans 1.16, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And that's, that's a, that ought to be a verse that rings in our hearts as we walk about. You know, even as we look at the, the debate of today and, and even as we look at the situation that we now face, what's important is this. We have the gospel and we can share it. We ought to take the time. We ought to just fill our, our pockets with tracks. We ought, to, we ought to just have the mentality that, that if we have the opportunity to sit with someone, to speak with someone, if we take the time through the week to, to, uh, to specifically go out, that we need to be bold about the gospel. That's what we need today. And we can't ask for mercy if we're not willing to give mercy. We can't be hypocritical and ask for the mercy of God when we have the mercy of God in a message called the gospel of Jesus Christ. But then thirdly and lastly, we have the responsibility for our nation and God's mercy upon us is the key. You see, the vine dresser didn't point to the tree and blame it. He had the attitude that he was responsible. When he listened to the, to the owner of the, of the vineyard, he didn't look at the tree and said, stupid tree. No, he listened and he did something about it. You know why? Because he knew he was responsible. You know, it's easy for us, church. It's easy for us to, to point at the left wing propaganda of today. It would be very easy for us to point at the... the uh, militaristic uh, way that they're they're uh, undertaking their campaign, it would be very easy for us to point at them and say what bullies they are. But the reality is this. We're still responsible for our time. We're still responsible for our nation. You know, when, when God looked at His people, He was looking at His people to respond. And I think about this verse in 2 Chronicles 7.14 and I think we all know this verse, if my people. It wasn't if those people. said if my people. If you're here today, tonight and you're saved, you're a person, you're, you're, we're part of the people of God, right? It says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Listen, uh, don't, don't, don't look at the nation that, and, and the situation that it is in. Don't look at the darkness of our time without first looking at yourself in the mirror. Without seeking and asking God, what, what is it about me? And, and humbling yourself before Him, and understanding that first and foremost, we have the responsibility. He's looking for you and I. He's not looking for someone else. He's not looking uh, primarily, firstly, to the wicked to turn. He's looking for His people. And that's the church of God today. You and I as Christians, to do something about it and seek Him. It's our responsibility. I think about in in 1 Peter 4.17, where the Bible tells us, "...for the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God." And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And, and, and it'd be a miss for us to, to, uh, to, uh, to go on and on about the time that we live in without firstly looking at, at the, uh, just at the lukewarmness at times and the apathy at times of, the, of Christianity today, how, how compromised it is in truth and in doctrine and how compromised it is in passion, and and in zeal for the Lord, and if we were to look first at where the judgment, self-judgment needs to come, it needs to start in the house of God first. What are we doing? What are we before God? Are we walking with God like we should? Are we we zealous about the things of God? Are we zealous about the gospel as we ought to in our time? Or are we just going by and we're comfortable in our mediocrity? We're comfortable in our simple, uh, simple attendance of once a week, twice a week, and going about through the week not acting like and being the church of God like God has called each and every one of us to be. Are we simply just... Biding our time like it's, we can't do anything about it. Listen, the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. We ought to look ourselves in the mirror. And we ought to look at ourselves and say, are you doing what you're meant to be doing right now? Are you doing all you can? and Are you living the way that you ought to for the Lord? And that's a challenging question. You know, uh, in Colossians 4, 5, the Bible tells us to walk in wisdom toward them that are without redeeming the time. And we have have some time, but we need to redeem it. And and notice then here that, that the responsibility lies with us first. And we note the vine dresser, he asked for more time. He asked for mercy. And you know what? The owner gave mercy. I think about in Genesis chapter 18, and we will not turn there for the sake of time, but Abraham had the attitude to ask God for mercy. Remember, God was going to judge that city, and, and Abraham, uh, recognizing that, that Lot was there, he recognized that he, would, uh, he ought to ask God. He asked God, if there's 50 righteous, and remember, he bargained God down to, if there's 10 righteous, would you judge this city? And, and we can entreat God. We can entreat Him. We read it this morning in Genesis chapter 19. You know, Sodom and Gomorrah eventually got destroyed, but it wasn't until Lot was taken out of there. You understand that, that, that God only has mercy upon a nation like ours if He has people there. And listen, we, we better be the, the, the best kind of Christians that we can be, not just for our sake, but for the sake of our country. Uh, we ought to come to work tomorrow and we ought to go to school tomorrow uh, with a clean, uh, clean, uh, a clean walk with God, a, a pure spirit before God, a pure motive before God. We ought to, we ought to come as we were challenged last week. Uh, we ought to come and approach each day uh, facing the lava being cleansed and going about with, with purity, with holiness as we go about our day-to-day living. We think about a, uh, another situation where Moses... So often he interceded for Israel when, when when God was going to judge them, God had had enough. Moses so often went to God and interceded for them. We, we know David in second Samuel chapter twenty four when when, when, um, when he numbered the people, he was tempted to number the people and and God was displeased with him. He was going to judge the nation, and yet a, a prophet comes to uh, comes to David and tells him, you better go and sacrifice and offer some sacrifices at the field of Araunah. And, and David goes over there and, and he didn't simply just want, want to have a free, um, have a free ride to the, to the mercy of God. He was willing to pay the cost himself. Remember, Araunah had the right spirit and the right heart. He told King David, uh, David, if it means that the, our nation will be rescued, go ahead, take the field you can have anything you need. Here's some bullocks to, to sacrifice. And David told him that will he, he, he basically said, I'm not going to do this without, without incurring a cost myself. And you know, simply I'm saying and I'm challenging you today, you know, God will have, give us mercy in our time if we're willing to pay the cost. See, the problem is we don't want to be inconvenienced. The problem is we're comfortable living a mediocre and cold and lukewarm Christian life. The, the problem is that, that we're not willing to go beyond that. We're not, we're not willing to be ridiculed. We're not willing to be too, too different. We're not willing to stand out in the crowd. We're not willing to just be like the silent majority. And too often, too often judgment comes because we're not willing to do the work. We're not willing to be different. I think about even a wicked king like Manasseh who humbled himself when judgment was coming upon him, humbled himself and he was entreated of the Lord. Listen, as God's people, God's given us his mercy and he wants to be merciful to us. The problem is this we don't ask, we don't entreat. And what I'm asking, uh, what I'm saying this, this evening is if we don't ask for mercy, who will? If we're not on our knees praying, if we're not out there working, if we're, not, if we're not living to preach the gospel, if we're not living for God, if we're not asking for mercy, who will? You know, I don't know about you, but until the Lord tarries, I want to I make a good account of my time here on earth. I want to see that, that even though the, the, it just seems to be like dominoes falling, each nation going the wrong way, that in our time, in this pocket of the world, I'm going to have a good account despite the circumstances. And I hope that you would just entreat God for mercy. And I, I think about the verses in 1 Peter chapter 2. You're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and holy nation a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of Him who hath called you out of darkness into His marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God which had obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. And listen, we've obtained mercy. We've obtained it. If you're saved here tonight, God's been merciful to you and I. Now, won't we ask for mercy? When, when our nation is at a, at a turning point, when, when we, we the freedoms that we so enjoy are going to be so disrupted to the point where, where most more than likely we won't have any freedom to worship the one true God. Won't we entreat Him for mercy? In Hosea, Hosea 2.23, And I will sow her unto me, in the earth and i will have mercy upon her that had not obtained mercy and i will say to them which were not my people thou art my people and they shall say thou art my god in hosea 10:12 sow to yourselves in righteousness reap in mercy break up your fallow ground for it is time to seek the lord till he come and rain righteousness upon you it's time to seek god it's not time to just be willy-nilly about our faith. It's not time to just be the average Joe when it comes to our Christianity. The nation is in its state now because, there was, because Christianity didn't take the mercy of God seriously enough. We're in a place now where, where we need to be people that will entreat God for mercy. We're our nation in need of mercy. And I'm asking tonight, what will you do? Will you be like this servant, the vine dresser, who will entreat his master, entreat the owner and say, give us some more time. Let me do all I can. Let me get busy working for you. Let me just entreat you a bit more. And if there be fruit, great. And if it not, thine will be done. What will we do? We live in a, in a nation in need of mercy. And I'm asking, will we seek God? You know, will we have family altars when we leave this place? Will, will we take it seriously? Will we gather our family and, and help them understand that we're, we're at perilous times? That, that the next generation, if the Lord tarries, are going to face some very, very serious consequences if we don't act now if we don't entreat it from, entreat Him for more time? W- would you understand that, th- that it's now time that we speak up? That tomorrow when you go to the workplace, you might debate with a colleague about same-sex marriage. You may debate over different political things and different issues around the world and around our, our nation. But will you speak up when it count- with the message that counts the most? The message of the gospel. You know, we're so comfortable talking about everything under the sun. We're so comfor- comfortable putting banners on our profile photos. <laughs> we're so we're so comfortable sort of being relevant, so to speak. But we're not going beyond that and speaking up for the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Of G- just being a bold witness and tonight, I'm just asking, will we ask for mercy? You know, are, are, do, we have, do, we, do we have an understanding that, that it's up to us? It's our responsibility. If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, I, I just, I, I just love, I love that God arranged it. That that we would be planted, implanted here. I I thank God that God led my mom and dad. To leave a, a country that they loved. To bring our family to a country that we now call home that we love. But but that's not if we don't if we don't steward that if we're not going to be a steward of our time then judgment will come then there will be a time where what we see and what we the, the, the quiet and peaceable life that we live will no longer be and you'll wish you listened you'll wish you listened tonight you'll wish you prayed more you'll wish you entreated God a bit more for a bit more time and so what I'm saying is we do have time we have time tonight Lord willing we'll have time tomorrow Lord willing we'll still have a bit more time by his mercy to just continue to entreat him and I pray that you would take heed to that and I pray that you'd be passionate in this time to just ask for mercy let's pray Father God, we just come before you. And, and Lord, I, I pray that the, the things tonight mentioned would somewhat resonate in our hearts. And Father, I, I'm just your, your messenger. Lord, I've got nothing to do with what you want to do in the hearts of your people. I just want to be a mouthpiece. But I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just look intently at the need of the hour. Lord, whilst we may worry about how we're going to supply for our families and maybe we might worry about, about the, the, just the, the different situations that we face, help us to recognize that we can and we do have a God who we can entreat, who we can ask for more mercy from. We have a God who's still on the throne who's still sovereign over the, the different circumstances of our lives and over this great nation of ours. And I pray to you, God, that you just would help us tonight to start, Lord, in our own hearts. Lord, a desire to be more used of you. And, Father, we need more lights in our day today. We we'll, we need more people who will be salt. We don't need more people who who's lost their savor. We need to be people that, Lord, would just entreat for our nation. And, Father, I do pray for Australia. Lord, I pray for this great land. Lord, we are facing some things that would be pivotal to our freedoms. I do pray for mercy tonight. I do pray, dear God, that, Lord, you would just withhold your judgment just a bit more, dear Lord. Lord, in that time, Lord, I just want to tell you lord i, I want to do all i can lord to to give the gospel message to be a living sacrifice to be a testimony for you and lord i want to just simply declare before you and before your people that i want to commit to just lord stewarding and, and giving you back the fruit that lord you so you, you so willingly and so earnestly seek in our lives I pray that you'd help us even tonight, and with heads bowed, eyes closed, no one looking around. Why don't we just take some time as the piano plays? I want to challenge you tonight. Uh, maybe you're, you're, a, maybe you've, you've got your family here this evening. Maybe you've not really been thinking about the, the, the need of today. Maybe you have just sort of gone through the motions. Maybe if you're honest with yourself like I've been trying to be honest with myself over the last week, maybe you've been mediocre uh, in your Christian life. I want to challenge you tonight, maybe as a family, and especially, I'm going to just say this, especially if you have young children, children who are going to school, I'm I'm going to ask you, why don't you just come and use an altar tonight, and why don't you just pray for our nation tonight? Why don't you just pray for some mercy? Maybe some of you couples who have great plans for the future, why don't you just ask God for some mercy tonight? And I want to I I challenge you to come tonight. Here's an altar. Why don't we start tonight? Judgment must begin in the house of God. Maybe it's just tonight where you just go, Lord, why don't, Lord, examine my heart. Lord, examine where I'm at. And, and, and Lord, show me if I, I've just been taking this time for granted. Why don't you come tonight? People are coming already. Don't delay. If you'd like to kneel there at your seat, go ahead and do that. But if you have a family, if you've got some young people, some, some who are going to, to school, why don't you just pray? Why don't you just ask for, ask for some mercy at this time? Why don't, you just, why don't you just ask God, Lord, give us more time. Lord, help our nation come back to you. Lord, help churches to propagate the gospel like never before. Lord, help us to just be a faithful people A faithful remnant even at this time. And why don't we just seek the Lord as as the piano plays tonight.